0: Good morning, my name is Mark. I'll be reading Bible for us today. Uh, Book of Matthew, chapter eight. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with a leprosy came and knelt before him and said, "Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean." Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus had entered the Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, My servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with the soldiers under me. I tell this one, Go, and he goes, and the one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subject of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirit with the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave order to cross to the outside of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher! I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have danced and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are going to to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind, of this, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side in the region of gatherings, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass their way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town, and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed man. Then the whole town went out, went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region.
1: Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, that was very well read. Uh, You know, there was a time where people bring Bibles to churches, their own Bible. Uh, My suggestion would be that as we continue into Matthew, the passages get longer, uh, and sometimes it's really useful that we have your Bible. So keep your Bible open to uh, Matthew chapter 8. So as we continue our study in uh, this gospel, uh, as we enter into chapter 8, uh, transitioning from chapter 7, uh, we see that here Jesus began to demonstrate that he has the power and the authority to heal many illnesses and to drive out demons. So in ch- at the end of chapter 7, verse 29, we saw that Jesus, the people were amazed because Jesus thought we have authority. And then as we go into chapter 8, Jesus demonstrates that he indeed has the authority. Uh, today I want to focus on three incidents. Uh, among the many listed here in chapter 8. It was a very long passage. Well done, Mark. Uh, And and in these three incidents, we really see that, yeah, Jesus indeed, he does have that power and his authority. Uh, And these three incidents are, uh, first of all, when Jesus healed the centurion's servant with just his words. Uh, That's from Mark, uh, Matthew 8, 5 to 13. And then the second incident is when Jesus calmed the storm uh, from verse 23 to 27, and then last but not least, when Jesus restored the two demon-possessed men. Uh, let me lead us in prayer again before we turn to the, God's word. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, uh, again we are reminded that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from your mouth. Uh, Father, we ask this morning that you make us hunger for this heavenly food, that he might nourish us today in the ways of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So, Jesus was, is, Jesus was in Capernaum when a centurion came to him and asked him for help. Uh, this is what the centurion said. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Verse 6. And, you know, at that time, for a centurion to be asking Jesus for help was not normal. Do you agree? Uh, what would be normal would be for a centurion to order Jesus to heal his servant because the centurion was a person of authority at that time. You know, a centurion would normally have about 100 Roman soldiers under his command and, and each of them had to obey their commanding officer. When a commanding officer say jumped, their only response as a good soldier should be say, how high, sir, do you want me to jump? All right, the commanding officer say, "Go? How far, sir, do you want me to go?" The centurion was a person of authority. He was part of the Roman occupying force. And so for him to ask Jesus for help is not normal. He could have, he, he could have demanded Jesus to help. In the same way, for Jesus to be willing to help is also not normal. Jesus said to him in verse 7 here we see Jesus said to him shall i come and heal him this is not normal Jesus being willing to help this centurion would be like the present day right imagine a palestinian in west bank gaza saying to an israeli uh, saying to the israeli hey do you need help building your house let me come and help you lay some bricks would never happen So much conflict, so much hatred in that sense. Not very likely to happen because they they would have been enemies. So Jesus willing to go to the house of the centurion would have been culturally and politically frowned upon. In fact, this incident of Jesus healing the centurion's servant uh, is one of three accounts in this chapter, in chapter 8, that showed Jesus breaking all these barriers, all these boundaries. Jesus broke religious barriers uh, when he touched the leper and said, I'm willing. Jesus broke political barrier when he's, go, he's willing to go into to the home of the centurion. And Jesus broke cultural barriers, cultural norms, when he healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law by touching her and healing her. all these incidents demonstrate jesus power and authority that's correct but above all it demonstrated his compassion his willingness to cross religious political and cultural barriers to reach his people so far we've been following the story and maybe we might expect the roman centurion to say well thank you jesus that's great this way please He didn't. He was a Roman soldier himself. He understood the authority vested in Jesus. And so instead he said, this is what he said in verse 8, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Here is a man a soldier, a centurion who has a command of a hundred other men. He a man who had every reason to command obedience and respect, but he humbled. He said, I do not deserve. I do not deserve. If it's something that you deserve, then it is your right to demand it. No, this man said, this is not about my Right? This is about grace. This is about the free gift, right? Grace, the word grace just means a free gift that is undeserved. I do not deserve to have you come to my house, Lord. But he had absolute confidence in Jesus. He says, just say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. You just need to open your mouth and say the word, and my servant will be healed. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just say the word. In six biblical days, the world was created by the word that came from the mouth of God, didn't it? The sun, the moon, the stars, the sea creatures, the birds of the air, the microbes in the soil, the air, the breath of life inside a man, all came when God opened his mouth and spoke the word. So just say the word. That's how powerful the word of Jesus is. You know, so far in the Gospel of Matthew, we've always seen the people being amazed at Jesus' teaching, Jesus' miracles. But now it was Jesus' turn who was amazed. Listen to what he said in verse 10. And Jesus heard this. He was amazed and said to to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And Jesus continued, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west, and will take up their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of thieves. And then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. See, the centurion was someone outside of the covenant family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The centurion was someone who didn't deserve God's mercy and grace. And yet Jesus is almost here implying that this centurion will almost enter into the kingdom of heaven by faith, while on the other hand, those who claim to be Abraham's descendants, Isaac and Jacob's descendants, are most probably going to be thrown out of that kingdom. That's the first incident, and that brings us to the second incident. The second incident that we're looking at uh, is from Matthew uh, 23 to 27. This is when Jesus comes the storm, isn't it? And so by way of you know, just transitioning into this incident, we notice that if the centurion had great faith then the immediate band of Jesus' disciples had very little faith. Um, The incident took place when, you know, it was very after a very long day for Jesus. The crowd was around him, presumably seeking healing. Some came seeking teaching. uh, And and at the end of all of that, Jesus gave orders for his disciples to prepare a boat so that they can cross the lake, or really it's like a sea. Uh, This they eventually did in verse 23. Uh, And immediately when Jesus got into the boat, he was so tired that he fell into a deep sleep, so deep that he slept through a great storm. Yes. You know, when you try and imagine the context, if you have your Bible open there with you, you see, if, if Jesus is who he claims to be, right, then the storm won't trouble him At all, he could have slept through it, but not the disciples. Remember who these disciples were, right? This must have been a great storm, because the disciples were men like Simon Peter, James, and John. They were seasoned fishermen, and for seasoned fishermen like you know Simon uh, and Peter, James, and John to be terrified must have been a hell of a storm. Because there was genuine fear, they've crossed this lake thousands of times. They've been in bad weather thousands of times, and yet this one time, they were terrified. This is what they say to Jesus. They came to Jesus, woke him up, and say, "Lord, saved us. We're going to die. Lord, saved us. We're going to drown." And we saw here Jesus reply, verse twenty-six. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Again, we notice the disciples, the men were amazed and asked a very important question. What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What kind of a man is Jesus that even nature bowed down and obeyed him? See, if they knew their Old Testament, they would come to the conclusion that this man, this Jesus, is either God himself or someone very close to God because only God could sleep through a storm because he created the storm. Psalm 107, verse 24 to 25 says, they saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep, for he spoke and stirred up the tempest that lifted high the wave. This is God. God is the one who created that storm. That same God has the power and authority to also quiet that storm to a whisper the psalmist continued in Psalm 107, verse 28 to 29. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. And the waves of the sea were harsh, calm, silent, peace. The disciple asked, what sort of a man is Jesus? Well, let's see. He slept through a storm, even though seasoned fishermen feared for their lives. He then opened his mouth to rebuke the winds and the waves, and he silenced them to a whisper. Surely this man is either God himself or the son of the living God. Which brings us to our third and finer incident when Jesus restored two demon-possessed men, uh, from verse 28 to 32. So after calming the storm, the boat finally arrived at the other side to a region called Gadarenes. Uh, it, it is an area near the Sea of Galilee, uh, where there were tombs, it's a cemetery, uh, and also a place where they raised pigs. And so verse 28 says, when this band of disciples with Jesus arrived on the other side... Uh, of the region, two demon-possessed men came from the tombs to uh, meet him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. You know, imagine this context, right? Earlier we saw that Jesus crossed religious barrier when he was willing to touch the the man with leprosy. By the way, leprosy is just a generic term for all kinds of unclean uh, skin diseases, right? So Jesus crossed religious barrier when he touched the man with leprosy and healed him. We saw Jesus cross political barrier when he was willing to enter into the house of a centurion and healed his servant. We saw Jesus cross cultural barrier when he touched and healed Simon's Peter mother-in-law. And now, surely we see our Lord Jesus crossing the unclean and occultic barrier into the spiritual realm of darkness itself. The place that Jesus and and his disciples landed was near a cemetery, a place of the dead, Generally, the cemetery is a place that is considered spiritually unclean. And then he was met by two demon-possessed men, human beings who were literally the living dead. They were alive, but they were physically under the demonic power's control. And then last but not least, we know that the, the place had pigs being reared in the area, you know, Jews and pigs, Altogether, this is no place for a devout Jew. But even here, we saw that Jesus had absolute authority and power over this demonic being, over the spiritual realm. Listen to what this demonic being, because it shows us who Jesus is. What do you want with us? Son of God, they sheltered. What do you want with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs were feeding. Son of God, what do you want with us? And so in the previous scene, if the disciples who were in the boat couldn't work out who Jesus was, even after watching him silence the wave and the wind, the demons had no problem at all. They knew They knew who Jesus was, son of God, son of the living God. Well, the theory is that demons are actually angels who have fallen when Satan rebelled against God. Well, if that is true, then these demons would have known and seen Jesus in his pre-incarnation of glory. That just means before Jesus became flesh. When Jesus was with the eternal father, when he was the second person of the Trinity, the angels were there, and the demons then were there before they, before they rebelled. And therefore, it is no wonder, right, these two demon-possessed men shuddered in fear when they met Jesus because Jesus had the authority and the power to send them into their eternal punishment if he wanted, then, then. But they begged Jesus for mercy. Verse 31 and 32, the demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, to the demon's possessed man, to demon's go, and so they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. I'm um, to continue the account, he says, those tending the pigs ran off into the town and reported all these, including what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, guess what? They pleaded with Jesus to go, leave. We don't want you here, Jesus. It's funny, isn't it? So I want to spend some time reflecting with you a couple of things that we learned from this passage. Let me draw things to a close for us and I just think about a few things, isn't it? So the first thing we want to think about is this idea. You know, miracles. We, we see in chapter 8, Jesus performed many, many miracles. And sometimes we may ask the question, why is it no longer the case today? Would it be great if we keep, you know, keep seeing all these miracles uh, and believing in Jesus, putting our trust and faith in Jesus? Would it have been easy, would, would be easier, wouldn't it? Well, the answer is because these miracles were performed at Jesus' time by Jesus to reveal Jesus' identity. That's why they were there. Jesus' identity in the passage was revealed to us in chapter eight. If you have your Bible, I turn to that passage where you know Jesus says, you know, the Son of Man, he calls himself the Son of Man. Have no place to lay his head. The Son of Man was Jesus' way of identifying with humanity. He bore our weaknesses. But the Son of Man is also the Old Testament way of pointing to the Messiah in Daniel 7. Here is one who has been given all authority. That's what Daniel said in 7, to rule. Here clearly is where, you know, Jesus revealed his glory, that he is the one chosen by God. Uh, Do America still exist today? Some claim to have miraculous healing. Um, there are always all kinds of faith healing ministry. Uh, my observation is that, you know, when, when these this ministry sometimes when healing happens, praise God. Uh, but when it didn't happen, you know, there is a temptation to say, oh, because your faith isn't strong enough. I think it's the dangerous assumption there to assume that faith and healing goes together. All I know is that God is still at work in us today. He hasn't left. God wants us to trust him, even when there are no signs and wonders. Later on, as we study Matthew, Jesus is going to critique the culture among the Jews because they kept asking for signs. So that's the first thing, miracles. They were real miracles. These are not myths. And the second thing we, we start to observe as we kind of compare these incidences, they are all about faith, isn't it? Faith is a theme that kind of runs through them. In the first incident, the centurion had great faith because he didn't need Jesus to be physically present in the same room to heal his his servant. And Jesus commanded his faith. Here is someone who had faith even though he didn't belong to God's family. And I think that's that's remarkable. In the second incident, the disciples were with Jesus in the boat. And though Jesus was physically present in the (coughs) boat, excuse me, the disciples were frightened. And Jesus says, oh, you have, oh, you of little faith. I think that's a very tender rebuke. I'm sure it must have been very, very frightening. But the point Jesus made is I am with you in the boat. The boat will never sink as long as Jesus, the savior is in that boat. Of course, this incident has been used by uh, many Christian writers, authors, rightly or wrongly, you know, as a metaphor for the storms of life and the tough times in our lives. Uh, My favorite is a poem by the missionary Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael is a single lady serving in India back in those times when it was unimaginable. That someone will go to India, let alone you know, a single a lady. Now she, her mission was to rescue young women who were required to be burned alive when their husband died, the Sutis. And Amy rescued them and taught them the Bible. Now here's one of Amy's poems that I really liked. Um, reflecting on this scene. Uh, of Jesus and the disciples in the storm and the boat. He says, thou art the Lord, or thou art the Lord who slept upon the pillow. Thou art the Lord who soothed the furious sea. What matter beating wind and tossing billow if only we are in the boat with thee? Hold us in quiet through the age-long minute. While thou art silent and the wind is shrill, can the boat sing while thou, dear Lord, art in it? Can the heart faint that waiteth on thy will? See, Amy Carmichael is not asking for miracles. She's not asking to be delivered from the difficulties of life. Amy Carmichael is asking for faith, to trust God in spite of the difficulty in life. He's asking, you know, How do I know when all of this is happening, Lord, help me to patiently wait on thy will? First incident, the centurion had great faith. Second incident, the disciples had little faith. It's a very scary thing. And finally, in the last incident, we see Jesus' power and authority resulted in no faith at all. Faith is about putting our trust in Jesus and confessing that Jesus is the Son of Man and the Son of God. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come before you, we want to confess that we too have little faith. We too want our faith to grow stronger and therefore we know that we need to come to Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on him no matter what our circumstances. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen.